This is the Marketing Podcast Network. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Well, hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm excited to introduce you to, uh, let me just redo that because I just messed it up. Uh, sometimes I speak over myself and it just, you know, I, my, my, my tongue doesn't want to work. My, my mind works faster than my tongue. Uh, so here we go. Hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Ligia de Penaflor. Ligia is the author of All, All of This is True and Unscripted Joss Bird. She also teaches young Hollywood stars on television and movie sets. Her students have included cast members of Gossip, Corp, Gossip Girl, Boardwalk Empire, Spielberg's West Side Story, and others. She joins me today to talk about her career and latest novel, Creep, A Love Story. I'm very curious about that title. Uh, welcome to yes. Uncorking a Story, Lydia. Hi, how are you? I'm good. So I have a question, Lydia. Uh, the one I ask everybody as we begin. Uh, where does your story as a writer begin? I wanted to be an, a published author from a really young age, but I have a really specific memory of watching the movie Stand By Me. Do you know Stand By Me? Oh, sure. I, I know it well with... Um, God, that's where they find the dead body, right? Yes. Um, you've got, it was an all-star cast. One of the Corys, I think, was in it. Corey Feldman. Corey River Feldman. Phoenix. Okay. And then- um, uh, and Will Wheaton. His, Will Wheaton from Star Trek, The Next Generation. Yes. And Jerry O'Connell. And Jerry O'Connell, yes. Who looks a lot different now than he did back then. And the great Kiefer Sutherland as well. Oh, he's one of my two favorite Sutherlands. <laughs> Yes. So I remember watching Stand By Me at a friend's house with my group of middle school friends. We were watching it on VHS. And there's the part where River Phoenix's character, Chris, is sitting with Will Wheaton, Jordy, and they're around that campfire. Do you remember the scene? Sure. And Chris tells Jordy, you're going to be a great writer someday. And I related to that. I felt like that was going to be me. And yeah. I also felt like, because I was with my middle school friends and we were that age as the boys in the story. And I thought, I am the writer in this group of friends. So I could relate to him. And I knew that I, someday I was going to do this and that I wanted to be a great writer. 
And I remember too, in middle school, at the end of the year, we got these yearbooks and they were just kind of cheap yearbooks and they were not hardback, just sort of paper. And we were all signing each other's yearbooks. And I asked my friends if I could take theirs home because I wanted to write something really profound and important in them. I was not going to be a have a good summer kind of girl. <laughs> but I went through their yearbooks and there was not enough space for me to write all the important things I wanted to say about middle school. So I literally took a piece of paper, a blank sheet of paper, and glued an extra piece of paper into each of my friend's yearbooks so that I have enough space to write in it. Now, are you still in touch with these people? Not really, no. Because I'd be curious to know if they kept the yearbooks and, and if you remembered anything you said in them. I said a quote from Stand By Me in those yearbooks. And I wrote, let me see if I remember it. I never had friends uh, later on, like the ones I did when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? Do you remember that line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't even know that movie um, was based on a short story by Stephen King until much later. Yeah, The Body. Yeah. It's from a... I have that book. I have the the movie tie-in cover. Interesting. And it's with like three or four other short stories in it. Yeah. So you wanted to be a writer from a young age. Um, well, what did, you know, um, what did you wind up doing before you were a writer? I'm a teacher as well. And you said in the intro, I teach kids on movie sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in... California, they call it a studio teacher. In New York, you're just, you're the set teacher. So I am the academic school teacher for young actors who are working on film and TV and also Broadway in New York. Since it's, they're not in school because they're working, I'm yeah. a school teacher. It's interesting that you, know, you mentioned wanting to be a writer. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor specifically because uh -huh. they didn't have to go to school. Well, and, <laughs> and I didn't know there were people like you who were teaching you them on been, set. You would have been so disappointed. <laughs> How did you get involved with teaching young actors? I was teaching in a public school and I just, I had enough of it. And I knew that this job existed. So I just thought, why not me? And uh, there was an agency that was hiring and I went through them and now it's been years so I could sort of get work from different avenues. But um, yeah, I just, I knew it existed and someone had to do it. So I made that someone me. Yeah, so what's it like, like teaching on a movie set or a TV set? Oh, it's, it's hard hours because you're not teaching school hours, you're, on filming time. And I have to grab kids for three hours a day and in chunks of time. It has to be 20 minutes for it to count as school. So between hair and makeup and rehearsal and shooting and lunch and all that, the kids are in school. Yeah. So I always say that the hardest working people on a set are the children because they do the job of adults as far as acting 
but then they also go to school. When you're an adult actor, you you can take a nap if you want. <laughs> you can have your friends or kids with you and play or do whatever you want. But the child actors, they're they're working all day long. Yeah, it's not easy. So when um, when did you wind up writing your first book? I think it was 2010, 2011. I remember workshopping my first book at a Southampton conference out on Long Island. Yeah. And it was 2011. And my teacher was Meg Wolitzer, who's a fabulous writer and terrific teacher. And I workshopped my first book with her. Yeah. And that was the book that got me my agent. Okay. How important was kind of going to a workshop like that for you? Um, it gave me, it gave me a sense of what other people were doing and how my writing was compared because when you're writing, it's so solitary and you really have no concept of what anyone else is doing. So it was helpful to talk to people and to hear everybody's work and to get feedback on mine to see what was working and what wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people think about writing as a solitary process, which of course it is, but there is sort of a networking side of it that you know a lot of people don't really know about, I think, which you, why it's so important to go to you know, those conferences, those events, meet people, um, you know, be mentored, um, get your work in front of people. And then, you know, eventually, as you said, you know, that's the way you wound up, or you, you wound up getting your agent after that, it sounds like. Um, but there's a whole, there's a whole process to it that I don't think a lot of people get, you know, um, certainly when I was writing my first book, I had no idea uh, how mm -hmm. important it was to go to those kind of workshops and, and writers conferences. Um, just to have the opportunity to to, to pitch um, or to practice your pitch and to right. do some networking um, and to get some feedback because you write, you know, it's, it's, you're alone and you know, no one reads it. Maybe friends and family read it. And of course they're probably not going to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> unless oh, I never did that. I never did that. <laughs> I never had friends or family read it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what, you know, what was your big learning coming out of that, you know, first publishing process? Well, the book that got me my agent didn't end up selling. So I had to go back and write a whole other book, which ended up being my first published novel. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's soul crushing the first time around because I got my agent really quickly. So I thought, oh, I'm on a roll. This is going to be smooth sailing. And then she pitched that book for six or seven months and it didn't sell yeah so she's like well what else are you doing and i was like i have to do this again <laughs> <laughs> i'm like honestly i'm not doing anything i'm waiting for this book to sell so yeah i had to do it again yeah well you know there's there's two other p's you know in addition to publishing it's you know perseverance and persistence mm -hmm. um which uh which you know will pay off hopefully one day for <laughs> for, for authors but what can no. you tell me about um creep a love story creep yeah that's creep is about the most popular most beautiful couple at holy family catholic high school it's their love story told through the eyes of the sophomore who is stalking them 
So we watched this beautiful couple, Lainey Villanueva and Nico Fiore, who are seniors, and we get to know them, but only through the eyes of someone else. So that's she, someone, yeah. yeah, sorry, Rafi, who's the sophomore, ends up being more than obsessed with them and ends up spiraling into some very shady behavior. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm captivated by this idea. Um, you know, just having three kids who just left high school a couple of years ago, we have triplets. Um, so it's oh. like, I, I got to re-experience high school all over again, you know, through, uh, through them, which was kind of interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. and actually went to my old high school, um, oh. which is, uh, sadly no longer with us because it closed the year they graduated. But, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's an interesting time in, in one's life to, to write about, I think. Yes, definitely. And it came about because of a, an instance that happened to me when I was a, a senior. So yeah. I, was at, I was at my locker one day and a girl I never knew came up to me and she was a young and kind of an oddball. And she just came up without any hello or introduction, just said, you have the cutest boyfriend. And I kind of got a little chill and I said, thank you. And I closed my locker and walked away. And I never forgot her. For some reason, this moment stuck with me. And I churned it over and over in my mind all these years. And she became this protagonist. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like that seed was planted. I mean, I don't know how long you've been out of high school. <laughs> long. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, probably more than a couple of years. Um, that seed was planted a while ago. And it was such mm -hmm. a brief interaction that, you know, anyone else might have just like written off. Um, but for some reason, it kind of stayed with you and it, it inspired something later on. I just just talk about that a little bit more if you could. Yeah, I didn't let it go. And you, you were asking me about the or you mentioned about the title. You were interested in the title. Yeah, um, that is from the Radiohead song, Creep. Yeah. Now I'm going to have that in my head for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, every time I heard the song, I would remember that girl. And it was a reminder of the story and it would make me think about it again and create these scenes in my head. And then I would eventually come up with Lainey and Nico and Rafi's behaviors and I would have these scenes rolling through my mind every time this song came on. And eventually I was ready to write it. So when, when you did write it and it was accepted for publication, did you consider dedicating the book to this girl who, uh, <laughs> who inspired it so many years ago? Uh, it is dedicated to her. Oh, is it really? In fact, so that's a good question. Yeah. Oh, wow. Dedicated to her. <laughs> is that a real name? Oh, I don't even know her name. Okay. I, I, I couldn't see. So I was just, I was assuming that there was a name in there, but. I don't even know her name. Actually, from this is from my, my book launch. I had people, my guests sign my book. Oh, yeah. While like I was like a yearbook. Book. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> Very cool. But the dedication is when I was a se when I was a high school senior, a starry eyed freshman crept up to me at my locker and said, you have the cutest boyfriend. Thank you, starry-eyed freshman. This is for you. Wow. 
if if you could find her today, um, you know, what would you say to her? I'd say thanks and <laughs> have this. <laughs> here, here you go. And, and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I imagine she's probably still being creepy somewhere. Probably. <laughs> Can't stop a creep from being a creep. No, but I think the, the lesson there for me anyway, and, and I've talked to this with some other authors is, um, you know, for example, I, I talked to um, Nita Prose who wrote The Maid. And, you know, that book came about because she had a, a kind of a run-in with a hotel maid. She came into her room, um, you know, kind of at an odd hour and the maid was there like holding her like sweaty sweatpants in her hand or something like that. Okay. And it just like, she didn't let it go. Like, who was this woman? What, what, what must this woman be thinking of me? And she started writing the prologue to the book on the plane home mm -hmm. from wherever she was. Um, so like these like everyday moments that I think a lot of people would just write off, you know, for some reason, authors, you know, see something different in them or they, they have more meaning for them. Right. Do you think that's a trait or like a superpower that that authors have that that, you know, non-authors don't possess? I don't know if it's we if it's because we just notice things more. Or we don't let it go, or is it? that we end up doing something with it. Maybe everyone has moments that they cling to, but we feel the need to create something from it. Right, right. We, we have the need or the ego to, uh, and to share them <laughs> <Right>. with, <laughs> with right. hopefully millions of other people. <laughs> but I'm also fascinated by the idea that you could change someone's life with such a small encounter and maybe you don't even remember it or vice versa. Yeah. Like someone changed the course of my life with that one comment and maybe she doesn't even remember that at all. Yeah. And then that, that concept creeped, crept into creep because this couple walks into Rafi's life and she is so captivated by them by such tiny little interactions that she has and they don't even notice her but yet she's forever she's forever changed yeah because of this oh they talk to me he said this to me she said that and she holds on to it like it's gold and they're just breathing breezing through life probably never giving her a second thought yeah you know, but I, I want to go back to this notion of kind of holding on to things a little bit um, and having those things influence you because, and I'm curious from your point of view as a teacher, because um, I think back to, to all the wonderful teachers I had growing up and certainly I could point to some of them and say, wow, this person said something on a certain day that changed my life. And I've actually tried to track some of them down just to, just to tell them that, mm -hmm. um, you know, have you, have you ever had that experience Has a former student come, come back to you and say, you know, you, you said something to me or you did something or you played this role in my life that, that put me on a different course. That just happened to me recently. Really? Through Instagram. No kidding. I had a few students say, oh, I was looking for you and I found you. And then so many of them started to show up because they're like, oh, it's Miss Penaflor. And then they tagged each other. And then they were all in my DMs. Thank you so much for you've done for me and it was great yeah i love 
I love when that happens. Yeah, that's hi, gotta... hi guys, I bet they're watching. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be a cool thing. I wound yeah. up tracking down my fourth grade teacher, oh. um, and she's a much older person. I mean, she was kind of old back then. But yeah, you was... thought she was. I did. Well, you know, she, she was also... probably not old then. You know, she um she was a nun. And oh, nuns just, are always old. They're always old, right? I mean, when's the last time you saw like a young nun? Did, um, you, see, did you see that comment on Twitter? I, somebody wrote, nuns are real. I thought that they were made up for horror movies. <laughs> I can I assure you. I laughed at that for hours. You know, I, I, I've had some bad ones, but I've had some good ones too. And she was one of the good ones. Um, and I tracked her down. This is right when I first started the show before I even focused it on authors. I actually interviewed her. Oh, um, nice. She's in one of the first 10 interviews of, of the show. Um, just an amazing person. Um, you're not kind of not what you think about when you think of nuns, but mm -hmm. I did. I mean, I tracked her down. I found her. She was retired and spent her days volunteering at a soup kitchen in, in Chelsea in Manhattan. And um, yeah, we uh, I worked the soup kitchen with her one day and then we oh. went back to her uh her little residence and we recorded a uh an interview it was fascinating but I love that you know teachers they do have such an impact on on our lives um good ones and bad ones i'd say but that's true um, and my english teacher signed right here no he that's came so to my cool. book, book launch that's very cool yeah so it's goes both ways you know i appreciated my teachers and now that my students are contacting me yeah so uh, as we sit and record this, are you in California or? I'm in New York. You're in New York. So you live in New York. Yes. Got Long, it. Yeah. Long Island. No, the island, what part of the island? Uh, in Nassau County, North Shore. All right. Very cool. Yeah. I'm uh, across the, uh, the sound in Connecticut. Oh, okay. So yeah, the next time I go down to the water, I'll wave, I'll wave down at you. Um, well, I always like to uh, get to know my guests a little bit, and one way I do that is through pop culture. So I'm curious, uh, Ligia, what um, when you were growing up, what were some of your favorite TV shows? Love TV. <laughs> I love this question. I love TV. Um, I am a huge Degrassi franchise fan since Degrassi Junior High. Degrassi High, Degrassi Next Generation. Love it. Love it all. <laughs> yeah, I think my kids watched the later version of Degrassi because okay. I don't remember watching it as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but I know my, I'm pretty sure my kids watched it, whatever reboot there was or something like right. that. But, um, that was Disney, right? No, it was PBS. Was it PBS? Why? I don't know it why was, I was thinking Disney. It's Canadian, in hey. fact. Oh. Yes. Oh, that it explains why they were drinking beer when they watched it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's Canadian. And then I guess here it was PBS. Okay. Got it. Got it. And then for some reason it wasn't cool and people would just like pretend they didn't watch it and you'd go to school and people would whisper about it and be like, oh, you watched that? That's so lame. <laughs> but everyone loved it secretly. In addition to <laughs> that, what do you remember? Uh, what do you remember watching? Um, 90210. Oh, that was the best. Felicity, D Dawson's Creek. I love all of that. Yeah, I love 90210. So 90210 started my junior year in high school, I think. Um, all I remember was I graduated with them. 
Okay. So I graduated and went to college with them. I had my first job with them. Um, yeah. You know, even David Silver, who they somehow jumped, they bumped up a year so he could graduate with the rest <laughs> of them and stay in the series. That's um, so realistic. I know. Well, you know, it was West Beverly High, I guess, you know, <laughs> money, money talked, who knows. But um, yeah, very cool. I was a big 90210. Yeah, fan. love it. To rush home uh, to back to my dorm Wednesday nights to watch that. And then, uh, of course, right after that was Melrose Place. Okay. So had to watch that. What about music? What were you listening to growing up? Oh, I loved the Go-Go's. I was a big fan. I loved U2. And I don't know. We had WDRE and WLIR. Oh. Remember Absolutely. That? I remember DRE 927, yeah. if I remember correctly, right? 927, WDRE. Yeah. Yes. Long Island. And now they have a version on uh, on iHeart. Oh, do they it's really? Dare. Yeah. D A R E. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Dare Radio. And it's the same. And they, do you remember they used to have uh, like the screech of the week? Like Thursday night, it would have like the top five songs of the week or something. I, love that station it was just the it was the new wave yeah stuff yeah of the, the 90s and then lir had uh larry the duck if i remember correctly do you remember <laughs> that dj larry the yes, duck i do <laughs> um i remember because i was a big metal head back in those days okay in the, in the 80s and 90s but i was dating somebody who was big into the alternative music scene Mm-hmm. So I got exposed to a lot of it and I used to pretend not to like it. But then, you know, what I realized is it wasn't half bad, but I had to be cool yeah. and, you know, and complain about it. So. Why did we have to be cool? I don't know. I would probably tell myself, try to be less cool. Nowadays, it's it's cooler to be uncool, mm. which I love. People just own the things that they like now. Yeah. And enjoy nerding out over stuff. And that's how we connect, I think. Yeah, I can nerd out over so many things. Yeah. Um, And I frequently do. Um, Like, if you told me that one of your favorite TV shows was Columbo, we'd still be talking about Columbo right now. So there you go. Um, Thinking about writing, I know you kind of, you know, saw yourself as being a writer from, you know, a very young age. In what ways, if any, uh, do you consider writing to be therapy for you or therapeutic? Do I, though? Oh, I don't know. This is my I assumption. Know. I used to journal as a teen just to get all my angst out and all my secrets. I don't do that now. So I guess the fiction is a way of living out living out things that you never got to do or working out issues yeah. that you aren't able to talk about to real people mm-hmm. and get them out through characters instead of yourself in real life. Yeah. I always like to think or, or say that there, you know, even though fiction is made up for the most part, there's a fair amount of truth in fiction. You know, you could still have, you could still get out original ideas um, and work out some, work mm-hmm. out some things. I mean, I, I mean, God knows I've I've tried to work out some things through through characters and and plots and in, uh, in the fiction that I've written in the past. I think it's true. That's true of the good fiction. If there is truth in it and yeah. there is honesty behind it, then that's why it's compelling and that's why it's good. 
And you can tell when this is just a story and I'm just writing this to write a story. There isn't a deeper layer to it. Yeah. I think I think you can feel it when it comes from the heart, when there's something real behind it. Even if it is a comedy or even if it's horror or any genre, even probably like sci-fi. If it comes from a real place, then it it reads far better. Yeah. Speaking of stories, is there a story behind that typewriter over your uh, over your left shoulder or no? It was a gift from a very good friend after I published my first book. Oh, that's sweet. And he made sure to get it working. So he brought it to some shop that does that, that restores. <laughs> and it's beautiful, right? It's, it's it, wonderful. It, it works. It works beautifully. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and great. He, he gave me extra ribbon and everything. What a thoughtful gift. Yeah. That he should get the thoughtful gift award. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I do I'm one of these people who believes that we all have an inner child inside of us. And I'm curious, A, if you agree, and B, um, if you do have an inner child, how you feed that inner child? Oh, we definitely have an inner child, all of us. Um, I don't think that I hide mine or grew out of it or deny my inner child. I think I'm always the same person as I was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. My priorities change and my opinions will grow and change, but inside I feel like the same girl. So I like to do, I like to do all the things that I loved when I was a kid still. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll roller skate still. I, I fly trapeze which is something I wanted to do as a kid. I used to do gymnastics and I was a dancer growing up and I cheered. And so now I took that and put it into flying trapeze. So I don't, I don't really let go of that child. I just, I do what I want. You know, I'm not scared of heights, but I'm scared to death of attempting anything on the trapeze. Uh, it just, I, and I used to watch like, I don't know, like circus with the stars or whatever growing up. And I you would see these people, I'm like, oh my God, I'd be scared to death to do something like, I don't know if it's the timing, if I don't trust the person who's supposed to catch me. I don't oh, know you have to is. trust them. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I don't trust anybody. That's, that's the problem. You have to trust them. Circus of the stars though. Wow. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I just pulled that one out. Well, speaking of just to bring it all back together, Brian Austin Green was on Circus. Was he really? With the stars. Yes. And so was Shannon Darty, I believe. Oh my goodness. Because I was looking up trapeze videos and I found them on that show. <laughs> that is great. There was Circus of the Stars. I remember there's Battle of the Network Stars too. Like that way was back fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Back when we only had three channels and that could get a rating. <laughs> <laughs> and they would they'd be in the pool, the Olympic pool, like in a in a raft. Right. And the the big draw was the uh was the what is it called? The, the tug the of war? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, the rope pull. No, it's. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't have like matching, they have matching jumpsuits and everything, too. Like, yeah. Was, uh, like they, they really, they really thought it out. <laughs> it um, was always like Nancy McKeon and Scott Bayo. <laughs> you know, 
Scott Payo's <laughs> career went in a different direction. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. He, yeah. I had a friend of mine who was, <laughs> who was a, a PA on Charles in charge. Okay. And um, he, the first day of work, he's in a meeting with Scott Payo. Scott Payo asked him to get tea and he, he's so nervous. He brings back the tea and then spills it all over him, spills a cup of hot tea all over Scott Payo. Wow. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't lose his job, but um, I don't think he ever, was ever asked to get tea again. That's for sure. Yikes. Who's worse off, that guy or the guy on New Year's Eve who forgot to bring the tea to Mariah Carey? Oh, I'd probably say the latter. Yeah. That, <laughs> was, that was a bad night. Not a good night. <laughs> Not a good night. Yeah. Queen of Christmas, my ass. She was probably pissed <laughs> off. Um, if you could go back in time um, and, you know, whisper some words of advice to, you know, your younger self, you know, maybe it was, you know, that, that, middle schooler who was writing volumes in someone else's yearbook um what kind of words of advice (laughs) what kind of words of advice would you give your younger self Hmm. i think i had a lot of confidence as a teenager probably more so than i have now and i i would probably thank her for that because I started from a place of belief and thinking that I could do something like publish three books. So I want to say thank you to that girl, that teenager who just didn't know any limits and felt, yeah, I'm going to do that someday. Um, I look to her. I still, I think that in a way she's, she's like a hero of mine (laughs) and I write books and I, publish because I feel like I owe it to her to do the things that she wanted to do. So I, I would say thanks and yeah. hold on to that. Now, what would you write in her yearbook? I would have to paste more than one page probably <laughs> in that girl's yearbook. There you go. And have a great summer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be best friends forever. <laughs> no, but you have to, it has to be like, too good, like number two, to be forgotten. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, um, the novel is Creep, a love story. Um, where can people pick this up? Anywhere novels are sold. Oh, there you go. And of course, I always like to give a plug for independent bookstores. Yes. So uh, certainly go to your independent bookstore and uh, ask for it, because I'm sure if they don't have it in stock, they will get it for you. At Belcanto Bookstore in Long Beach, California, they will send you a copy with a signed book plate. Very cool. That's Belcanto Books in California. Oh, I love Long Beach. I've been yeah. there many times. I had way too much fun in Long Beach one night. But that is a story for another time. Oh, um, <laughs> we'll uh, talk after. <laughs> yes, if uh, if people want to get in touch with you, um, you know, do you have a website? Do you have social media handles you could share? I'm at Lydia Day on Instagram and Twitter, and my website is lydiadaypeniflor.com. There you go. And, and you can watch me fly on trapeze uh, on my Instagram. Oh, let's go. Let's absolutely. We'll post, <laughs> we'll post some links to that in the show notes. How does that sound? Cool. Because I think that would be, uh, yeah, I think that would be fun. Well, uh, Lydia Day Penyaflor, thank you so much for letting me uncork your story. I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Great meeting you.
Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.